0: Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand in the throne of God. Alright, thank you Sandy. Good morning. Um, My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson and it's great to see all of you here this morning and good to be here together. Um, If you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I do want to give you all a a heads up that I have a speech impediment. Um, And that's important for me to say because on Christmas Eve when all the kids were in here together, um, even my own daughter my uh five-year-old daughter zoe some of you guys know her and probably won't be surprised that she's the one that said this but she was like daddy you kept going duh 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 while you're preaching and i was like yeah honey that's and she was like you gotta work on that uh," (laughs) and i'm just like man um i said only you can say that zoe someone else it would be on right now but um no it was good it's pretty funny though right out of the mouths of bays but yeah So anyway, just a heads up on that. So even if you've known me for years, like my own daughter, (laughs) progeny, um, (laughs) I gave myself, you know, for and love. And um, anyway, just a heads up. So. Um, we have a, a few things this morning. We're going to get into um, our time in Hebrews together. And um, before I do, I just want to let you know kind of where we're headed the next couple of weeks and um, uh, even where we were last week. Last week, Jared um, preached for us in, in on kind of a st- Standalone sermon did a great job if you um even some of what david wagner shared earlier this morning about the reality of brokenness in the world around us it was a really helpful and shaping sermon on not kind of pretending brokenness isn't there but in fact that the good news of jesus really calls us into um brokenness and pain and suffering so what in encourage you in that um, to go and, and uh, uh, hear that if you weren't here this uh, then. And also um, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews, kind of a, a very fitting uh, place for us to, to look and to be shaped going into this whole next year. And, um, and then next week we'll also be having another kind of standalone sermon before we dive into Ephesians where we'll be for the majority of the whole year, and we'll be pretty much walking through almost like verse by verse, kind of word by word through Ephesians for many, many months, so very excited for that, but um, next week, as was mentioned, in case you, well, most of you, this was the case, came in late, um, you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, anyway, if you didn't hear, we're going to be doing a st- Pay to the church address, and so what that'll look like is every two or three sentences, you all will stand and clap, and then sit back down, and then we'll say a couple more sentences. You'll stand back up and clap. If you, uh, we know we have a young church here because you guys don't even laugh or get that right now because you've never watched C-SPAN or CNN or whatever where you see a State of the Union address. We have this thing here in our country called a president, and <laughs> gives a thing called a State of the Church ad- or State of the Union address rather. You should learn some of these things. Um, There's other media, not just Instagram. And, uh, oh, I love you. I love having our students back. Glad we can have this banter together. But, um, uh, no, I know it's actually more of a one-way street right on that relationship. But no, anyway, what it'll be is really sharing again where we're headed, uh, what God has done before, what uh, some exciting things that we got to see last year kind of culminating in... Um, every time I stutter, by the way, I just picture Zoe, my five-year-old, just, just wagging her finger at me. So, oh man, grace, I need it. Um, so anyway kind of culminating in the Advent offering of uh, where we as a church, you really, we together, were really generous and uh, get to share some of that, but also some of the good things that we're looking forward to this year, some exciting transitions that we have and, and some just some good news to get to share together. So we'll kind of kick off the sermon with that and then we'll dive into um, some other things, sharing really who we are kind of at our core as a church and some things that uh, we are going to really keep Pressing into so that's where we're headed next week. Amen. I'll say amen every once in a while. I'll make sure you're kind of tracking with me. Call and response type type deal. So go ahead and turn with me though this week as we get into Hebrews chapter twelve together. If you have a Bible, please turn there um, again. Hebrews chapter twelve. If you don't own a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one? We want to make sure everyone has a Bible. And, um, y en español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español, y, um, si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted, y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Hebreos, capítulo 12. Hebreos? Correcto? Okay, bueno. Gracias, Andrés. Um, okay, want to make sure, I actually... True story, looked up last night how to say Hebrews and wasn't fully sure I had it right, so you got my back. We're, um, anyway, want to make sure everyone has a Bible. Keep this. It's our gift to you. want to make sure we all have one uh, together. So let me go ahead and pray as we get into our time together, as we really take a pointed look at Jesus this morning. Lord, thank you for this time we could have together. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Opportunity to settle into a new year. Uh, this is the first Sunday of the new year that we can kind of get into it together. And even as we just heard earlier, some very sobering and hard news of brokenness that has really come crashing in even to this school, Safford, who we've gotten to know and love and serve and, and serve alongside and with. Um, Lord, we do pray for them. And I know there are others in this congregation who already um, hardship has, has hit um even I heard this morning of a, a dear member who uh is sick and someone that we love and care for, um, Tom Wisely and just uh has has n- pneumonia. So Lord we wanna pray for him and um pray that you would uh you would you would you would heal him and be with him even as his wife Sandy Red's scripture and is here with us this morning. Um, Lord, we, we do pray for those who are in our midst, who are a part of our congregation, as well as those who are, who are not, Lord, just who are, who, are, um, who, are, who are hurting and need your good news. So uh, with that Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and uh, would shape us, that you would open our eyes and our ears to rightly see and respond to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So New Year's resolutions, I don't know how you feel about them. There are a lot of different, you know, takes on them, different things like that. I've, in the past, I've kind of really talk trash about them, but as I get older, I find I need them more and more because um, I actually forget that it's even a new year. It, it feels the same as last week did um, to me, and it is in a lot of ways, but I, a couple new new things I did. I, I went to the gym, I think, on January 2nd or something, and then as I left, I told them, all right, I will see you next year. And um, that's, I, I do find I might be getting a little more cynical um, in fact, Stephen Collins, who leads our worship team, was at our staff meeting on Wednesday or Tuesday. And um, he was eating his lunch and he was talking about, yeah, I'm, you know, trying to eat more healthily. And he proceeded to pull out some crackers and some turkey and some cheese. And I just kind of being like, again, kind of more, more jaded and cynical. I was like, that's a lo- lo- lunchable, basically. My five-year-old... <laughs> kindergartner eats Lunchables. So don't even try. Just give up. Um, It's not even worth it. Let's go get a hamburger. Um, You know, it's just so that's a new leaf for me. Some of you know me. I'm normally pretty optimistic, but I'm going to be really, really cynical this year. So beginning with this sermon. So get ready. No, the, the reality, right? These things are helpful. I did kind of set up some some goals and some, some things that are gonna gonna, you know, help I think and um but but the, the it does expose something that's true of us, that's that's actually really, really broken in um all of us as humans. It's that we have an um an an inordinate obsession and, and even slavery to ourselves to really focusing on our wants, And I'll just even turn it kind of personal, the more singular. My wants, my goals, what's going to fulfill me, what's going to make me feel happier, what's going to protect me from harm, from pain, what's going to give me the life I want to get. And and it really, and then as we think about it, we say what's going to help me get there and what can I do to get to the goals and and things that I want to accomplish and how can I do that. And, and, And really what we find is that focusing on ourselves and relying on our own strength Okay, hear me on this, will always in some way ultimately leave us frustrated and 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 wanting and incontent and 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 ultimately in failure. And so even in this Christmas season, which I know the idea, right? We say things like, Jesus, is there a reason for the season? And we're we know that's actually, if anything, is at best, not the case. And most likely is actually the exact opposite. The way we tend to go about it culturally and in some of our homes and just the way is really it's a time to really think about ourselves. And you see that by opening gifts and what comes. And I was just talking to someone this morning who owns a business that involves customer relations and um, just the, 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 the negative feedback he'd get. That's a nice way of putting it in choice words and things like that when people aren't happy they didn't get what they ordered and what they wanted and things like that and right it's 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 just a time that's heightened in a focus on self and so this morning as we kick off this new year I don't know if anyone's had a happy new year by the way um we thought about having fireworks and stuff in here it's this is uh, we were with some people on new year's and they were like can you do fireworks and we're just Kind of chuckled like this is the Wild West. You can we're gonna shoot guns in the air and do whatever you can. This is Arizona, but um, it is New Year, and as we kick off this New Year together, this first Sunday together, we're gonna really appropriately take some intentional time to go from really focusing on self and, and thinking about ourselves to to orient. What does it look like to look to Jesus? To look to someone who has set out, who has made a resolution resolved to bring about something and then finished it, actually saw it all the way through and accomplished what he has set out to do. So, so with that in mind, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and, and look to Jesus and even have our day and, and Lord willing, our year and, and our, our lives shaped by looking at Jesus together so, as we begin here in Hebrews chapter 12, I'll just go ahead and read these again verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So a c- couple things to look at there as we get into this together. Again, we're in the book of Hebrews and this is a letter written to the Hebrews and and, it's, and, and so we need to press in whenever we read God's word and anything for that matter, but specifically when we read the scriptures, we look at words like therefore should kind of clue us in, right? You, some of you have probably heard this. If you find a therefore, you ask what is it therefore? And so you like, why is that? And, and and so we need to know what's before it and what's coming after it and what is the connection between the two. So the, 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 therefore is there because what came before it is Hebrews chapter 11, right? 11, 12. Um, so 11 is what's uh, referred to as the hall of, of, of faith or the, or the kind of the hall of, you know, Christian faith. And it, and it, On a side note, kind of, if you look at that and you press in, a lot of those characters, even this morning, I read in Genesis, and I'm reading about Abraham, and I was reminded because he's mentioned, and I'm just like, man, that dude was a scoundrel in a lot of cases, and some of you who grew up in church, you're like, as a kid, you're like, Father Abraham, who had many sons, how could you say that, but man... (laughs) not once but twice he said his wife was his sister to save his own skin and kind of gave her to be married to someone else and this crazy stuff but 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 the idea there and what's pressing in and i was even thinking this this might seem like a hard transition but again even as we think about people who have gone and who have even passed away in the last couple weeks someone that i really looked up to and i'm kind of looking out i don't see some of the people that i know knew him well but um just incredible man, uh, a baseball coach from the U of A, Jerry Kendall. Some of you have probably heard of him and um, coached a couple World Series teams. And um, And I actually got to know him before I even knew he was a baseball coach. He was this really humble old guy that drove up in a really kind of non-impressive car and was just kind of got out at this Bible school that I got to go to and got to learn from and with this guy. But he had, um, you know, he just recently passed away on uh, over Christmas time, actually on Christmas Eve, and had just had an incredible funeral and was a a guy who honored God and, and loved him incredibly well and was an example for us. And even someone like that, it's hard to find bad things about. And again, it's a lot easier as we read Hebrews 11. The idea is not in all these faithful saints that went before, it's like, these were the people who got it right. Emulate them. You know, Bela, even Samson, for some reason, is in here, and other people that you're like, what? How did they make the cut? <laughs> like, that guy was a scoundrel. If you guys remember, we went through the book of Judges. You, heard, you go back and hear what we think about Samson. Um, we get him way wrong in most of our kind of be like Samson kind of little kids things, but some of these other people in there. But the big idea about people that it's obvious like that and also Abraham and then even more so, again, people that we've gotten to know that would be considered like, as we read here, this great cloud of witnesses is people who, who, who ultimately submit to God. Who, who, whether forced by God's hand or through through, through, through uh, irresistible response to God's grace, there's this sense of uh, recognizing God is God and I am not in this, in this sense. And so in this book in Hebrews, why it's important there is this author is saying, listen, you're focusing on yourselves and I just gave you a whole list of people who God used in spite of themselves and now you continue to look not to yourself, but like them, have faith in God, which means you transfer your trust from yourself to God, which means you recognize your own, your own disabilities, your own, your own, um, um your own your own obstacles that you've put in your way or that have been put in your way and your desperate need for God and so as he as he presents Jesus he says look at these people therefore now you similarly continue on to run this race not looking to yourself and that's important for these these um Hebrews who would have received this who would have been the first audience here because their tendency in their world maybe like some of us to today was they were an incredibly legalistic people. They, which meant this, it meant I will kind of put God in my debt and I will, I will get the life that I want to do, right? I will resolve, again, kind of the, 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 the root of that idea, New Year's resolution. The life that I am resolved to live and the person I'm resolved to be and the relationship with God that I'm resolved to have, if I do all these right things, if I obey the Hebrew law this way and then we have our own Christian v- version of that, I, I kind of cross all my T's and thought all my eyes and do everything just right then then I'm good right then I'll have the life that I want to live I'll have the year that I want to have right whatever it is I'll I'll set out to do this and this author is saying no you're again you're focusing on the wrong place you're focusing on yourselves and in our day we we're not because some of us are not legalistic at all Right, But it's just another, it's the other side of the same coin. Some have said that um, um, standing on either side of the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus, kind of this idea that by grace alone, undeserved favor, through faith alone, again a transfer of trust, um, in Christ alone. The outside of by grace, al- by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, uh, there are two thieves of the gospel. There is legalism, the law, and there is licentiousness. There's like whatever I want to do, I can do it. And it's the same idea. It's both in, 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 in obsession with self. It's saying I, I can have the life and I can put God in my debt if I do everything the way I think he wants it done and then I don't even really need God because I'm just doing everything that um, honors him and, and I'll just kind of get him out of the equation and do everything. And on the flip side, probably like we more struggle with today in our day is like consumerism and self-helpism. It's this idea of I'm, I'm the captain of my own ship I will do whatever I want to do. I will consume goods and experiences and relationships um, and just to, to satisfy and fulfill myself. And whatever I want to do, I'll do it. And, and it's the same idea. It's, it's this focus on self, which goes back to the very beginning, which every one of us, hear me right now, individually and communally is stuck. I would even say the scripture uses this idea of enslaved to or in bondage to being in this place of, of focusing on ourselves. I've, I've heard the phrase of like, we are all navel gazers. If you think of like your b- belly button, your, your, your navel, we just focus on self. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three. Again, this is true of all humanity because in the very beginning, God created us to have our gaze set on him, to have our, our life, not only our eyes, but our, our entire posture. Our focus, our goals, our our strength, our our dependability, what we rely on, what we everything focused on on God and our identity and our purpose being dependent upon Him, and then from there, our, how we interact with others is not in this consumeristic or this I'll put God and others in my debt, but it's in this 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 perfect place of everything we do and who we are flowing out of. Our relationship with God and our understanding of his good character but when sin okay we hear these words sin and right and if you're new to church perhaps that's one of your new year's resolutions I want to go to church more get around these things more sin is not just this like oh it's the biggies it's all these things that you we might think if we had to put down a list of sins sin is things we do but it's also it's a posture again it's ultimately this idea this phrase of not God Okay, hear me right now. Again, look at me because the the direct connection is this. It's enslavement to self. It's navel-gazing. And it leads to death and frustration and struggle and pain and unfulfillment. Not living out the life and the identity that God designed us to live. Okay, so that's the bad news. Now the good news of the gospel includes that is the whole story is that God doesn't leave us there, right? We celebrate this in our Advent season when we look and we remember the first coming of Jesus. It's that God doesn't leave us there in that place. It's that he sent his son Jesus, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Um, God incarnate with flesh on the one who came to dwell among us and then live this life that we um, were designed to live but, but fail at he he succeeded and then in our place he he hung on the cross and he died uh the death that we deserve of of separation from God and even in a moment we'll actually hear this verse again read but when he was there he said um father why have you forsaken me he 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 experienced separation from God and then he died and then he rose from the dead because in our place he experienced distance and, 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 and forsaking from God and, and, and the consequence of our turning away from God, our navel-gazing, our obsession and enslavery, enslavement to self. And then when he rose from the dead, hear me, it's this idea of being set free, of being now freed from, from death, the ultimate expression of not God the ultimate expression of life that is lived depended upon self. Life that is lived obsessed with self. Jesus put an end to that. And then as he victoriously rose from the dead, he revealed himself to his closest followers into hundreds of people, and then he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And that's where we read again here, Jesus finished what he set out to do this this posture just look at because this is reality even when i read that i don't know if you noticed right i i pick up with me in verse two looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. By the way, that means it's not by our good works. It's just another example. It's another kind of in your face right now as we read this. It's like God's loving but very clear hand kind of pushing us closer. Saying, I don't, which for me, I'm, I don't know if it's nearsighted or far side. As I get really close, it actually gets super blurry. So, But it's, no, let this be clear to you. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, even kind of Dealing from Ephesians 2, where we see that even our faith is not our own. It's a gift from God, not by works. It's not something that we muster up. So even our faith is something that God has stepped in and given to us. Again, this reminder, it's not about you. It's not by your strength. It's not through your good works and your hard efforts and your pull yourself up by your bootstraps and your New Year's resolutions and all the things that you set out to do. It's it's a gift of God. It's something he has given, that he has established. He has, again, this language, founded and perfected, accomplished. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is real history. Again, Jesus is not an idea He's not a concept. He's not a sentiment. He's not a season, Christmas and Easter. He is God who became human, who put on flesh. As we just walked through this story, lived a real life on this earth 2,000 years ago, born into a Jewish family, a Hebrew man, went through all the traditions of a Jewish young boy would do in a real place that's on this earth today, not Narnia or wherever else we might imagine. And then he really died on a Roman cross, which was not a pretty piece of jewelry that we wear around our neck or have t- tattooed on ourselves, which is great if you do that. That's great to remember. But that, it wasn't this pretty sentiment this idea, it was, it, was, it was shameful. People didn't even use the word in Roman culture. They didn't even, it was gross. And, and people like despised it. It was shameful and ugly and, and despicable. And Jesus really died on that kind of torture device. And then he really historically rose from the dead and stayed alive, he is alive today. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father and is seated there, ruling presently right now, preparing for the day when he will return again, the second coming, the second advent, the second arrival. And so our life today is to be lived looking to him. He finished. Now let me ask you, just to help us kind of press in here a little bit better, how are you at... Finishing things. Now, even as I say that, I know some of you are really good compared to some of us. At, I do include myself in that category. Who are really good. You might be, I always kind of pick on engineers, right? I'm not an engineer. I assume engineers are always have their stuff together and get everything done. They have Excel sheets and maybe... A, Accountants are that way too. I don't know. I I see some different people that maybe fit this category, but I always think, but like maybe you do. You set out goals. Maybe you're like, yeah, what's the big idea? New Year's resolutions. I always finish them, I always meet them. But at some point, let me be real here at some point, you alter your New Year's resolutions, right? Like some of us, I say us, are at a point now where we can no longer do as many push-ups or pull-ups as we once could do. And no matter how hard we try, we're not going to, you know, meet that day again. And even if we can, I don't know, we take some crazy magic pill that we hear about on sports talk radio, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like you can become Superman all of a sudden. Well, in a couple years, that's all going to wear out, and then we're going to be, like, worse than we are now, and, right? Eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear out like eventually and I know this I don't want to make lo, lo, lo light of it but right the phrase you know death and taxes like the reality everyone in this room will come to a point where you can no longer much less run a marathon or half marathon or 20 minute mile or whatever your goal is like you can't even walk anymore like you, you that day is coming so if we're honest with ourselves our own we should be very aware of our inability to just pull ourselves up and so focusing on ourselves is foolish is futile ultimately at some point it's hopeless and again death should remind us of this of our fragility and like Jared talked about last week it's we try to we try to prolong it right we try to pretend it's not there we but the reality is, at some point, often just comes out of nowhere, comes crashing in, and we're all, all of a sudden made aware of our fragility. And so the good news of Jesus, again, hear me now, is not that we just pretend it's not there, that we push it off, that we turn a blind eye, no, it's instead that we be freed from the enslavement of looking at ourselves, of, of, of the hopelessness that comes of pretending that we have the strength and the capacity to do what we need to do to live the life that we long to live and we're created to live and instead to redirect our gaze to Jesus. So what does it look like? What now, right? You might be asked. well, what now? Okay, you've kind of given this really kind of de- Debbie Downer, some of you are like, you nailed it, Dave. You are more cynical. Thanks. You're doing it already. My New Year's re- resolution is accomplished. But what now? What do we do with that? He- hear me. The, the, what we do with this? Repent. Repent. Okay, churchy word, right? Some of you are like, oh, predictable. Thanks. All right, the guy up who talks is, is said Repent. Like, now all I need to do is, like, point at you and hold one hand up here and kind of have fire breathing from him out. Repent. Well, we've kind of, re- this idea of repent is lost. It's, 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 it's very practical, kind of boots on the ground, dirt under your fing- fingernails reality of what this word means. Repent is not the boogeyman word that's for all the biggies, right? You did that. Repent. Go over here. Do the, 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 the word repentance means to turn. It means to turn from self to God. That again, if you go all the way back to sin is not God, it's thanks but no thanks, God. I want to live the life I can accomplish on my own and repentance is, is turning to God. And it comes through Jesus, which I just talked about, through faith in Jesus, through trusting in his, his sacrifice on our behalf and then his, his, his accomplishment of raising from the dead and trusting in him and, and saying, through you, I, I now turn from self to to you. And it's, and it's acknowledging sin. It's not pretending it's not there. It's not saying, oh, I slipped up. I, I stumbled a little. That's, you know, that's like, oh, I said that I wouldn't eat sweets and I ate some ice cream again or I, whatever. I took communion and the juice was sort of sweet. I'm, did I mess up? Did I ruin my, you know, um, like silly things. No, sin is, it's calling it what it is. It's, it's offensive. It's evil. It is not God. It, it deserves death, but it's, it's acknowledging and confessing that sin. And then it's simultaneously asking for God's forgiveness and immediately thanking him for his forgiveness. Again, as we look at the cross, we see our need to ask for his forgiveness and right away his provision. God, I I know I have sinned. I have wandered. Um, Please forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. I, I don't even have to wonder for a nanosecond if I'm forgiven because you sent your son Jesus to die and you raised him from the dead. I know I'm forgiven. And then thanking him and asking for his holy spirit whom he has sent again jesus who rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god he sent the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us and to empower us to live this life that we were created to live and that we now can live through faith in him. And so it's saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Again, we need to have this idea that the Holy Spirit is not this mystical cloud that we kind of don't really ever talk about and it's kind of this idea. No, it's this, he is a person, the third person of the Trinity who we have a nanosecond capacity, okay? We have like a, we can't even fathom we have an incapacity and incapability to honor God and walk with him and live the life he has called us to live outside of the Holy Spirit so thankfully he sent the Holy Spirit even the scriptures say this idea this picture of of being sealed with the Holy Spirit so it's remembering God I've tried to live in my own power my own strength But please remind me, please empower me, please lead me through the Spirit whom you have sent. Thank you for the community that you've given me to remind me, to encourage me, to spur me on. So as we close here, I want to ask you, what does this look like? What does this look like? It means we genuinely follow Jesus. let me read a quote that I actually just read this morning. A, a friend here um, sent it to me in, in, in an email, and I just saw it this morning, and it says this. It's an incredible article that talks about churches and what, where we're headed and all these things, but this one idea that came out here about making disciples not just converts. Because converts is this idea of Jesus gets me a get-out-of-hell-free card. Jesus gets me heaven. Jesus, I get a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus is Christmas and Easter, and everything else is New Year's resolutions. Everything else is white-knuckling it. Everything else is try hard, do better. Um, I should get it right. And, and, and just the idea of converts, that falls under that category. But, but no, the scriptures, hear me, we're not here to just make converts, okay? The, the scripture says, we present the good news of Jesus and then through the work of the Holy Spirit, mysteriously, God reveals himself and his grace. I pray this is even happening now as we speak. He calls people to himself to put their faith in him who then become followers of him. Not just a decision, but but a life of surrender, and of trust, and of following. And that word, which again we often don't, we kind of misunderstand, that word is disciple. Disciples, and so this in this one part here, it says to make, and I don't have it on the screen because again I just read it on my phone this morning. But it says this, make disciples not just converts. Converts join a club, disciples start a movement. Converts follow traditions. Disciples follow Jesus. Converts change their mind. Disciples change their lives and other people's lives. And I would just add to there, and the author wouldn't, wouldn't disagree with this by any means, it's disciples have their lives changed. And then through continual walking with Jesus, have an impact on other people's lives. So as we close here, I want to help us to see Jesus more clearly. This Jesus I'm calling us to respond to. I'm going to read a number of scriptures to you. If you are a total note taker, you can remember, you can write, jot down some of these. Or just what I would even encourage is just kind of bathe under like here are these, I'm going to read about six or seven verses that will help us, right? When we have this idea, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. That's That idea is a burden. Let us lay that burden aside, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking to Jesus. So let me help us look to Jesus, let us see His beauty, His wonder, his splendor, his, this, this, this. let us gaze on Him more rightly by reading a couple of verses here. Jesus, who said, "I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly." Matthew chapter 11, he says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy-laden." and I will give you rest. Jesus, about whom it said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay, look at the cross and consider that good news. Jesus, who said, while hanging on that cross, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full. There's no more effort, there's no more there's no more earning of God's love, of God's favor. It has been accomplished. Jesus who said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Jesus who said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." And Jesus who said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Where Jesus is, he's already finished. He says, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not just saying, hey, try hard to get there. He says, I've secured you. I'm preparing a place for you and I'll make sure that you come there. And then lastly, again, as we just read, looking to Jesus Hebrews 12:2 who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross for the joy just we've talked about this before but because I know we struggle with it so much if you wonder does God like me or does he just tolerate me does God really want to be with me in this very present very personal way that, that that empowers me to live this life that or am I on my own do I need to make resolutions and strive and try harder and do better and God's up there like the ogre in the sky saying I'm at, he God's at the finish line Jesus is there saying come on don't trip up get it right you screwed up again i hope you make it no, this idea as we look to Jesus, and it, it, which is easier, again, this idea of irresistible, that we see his good news and we can do no other than to look to him, than to trust him, than to surrender to him, is because we understand that, that he loves us, that it is for the joy set before him, that, that he endured the shame of the cross hanging naked on a Roman cross, because he is so committed, he so loved the Father and submitted to the Father and so loves you that he died on this cross and then rose from the dead and finished, he said it is finished. He died, he rose, he ascended and right now is seated. So what would it look like for us to live our lives in response to this good news? What would it look like very, very practically, Kay, as we, as we wrap up here, as we prepare to respond to Jesus, to, to, again, direct our gaze even more pointedly in our time of response to him, what would it look like for you to, 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 to live a life of obedience, of loving God and loving others? That was not a striving, that was not, I'm trying so hard, I'm, I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps, I'm trying to do better, I'm like, what do you do? Let's just ask here. what do you usually do? What do you tend to do when you, I mean, you name it, whatever it is, when you fail, when you eat the whole carton of ice cream, like t- two days after New Year's, when you spend hours playing video games and you said you were going to. Not do that. When you, you skip an assignment and you said you were going to do better in school, you look at, you indulge in pornography and you said this year was going to be different. You spend carelessly that first time you hand over your credit card. And you're like, I really shouldn't be doing this, but uh, you know, and you do it. You erupt in anger. You wallow in depression it, wherever it is something that you said I'm going to be different I'm going to try hard I'm going to what do you do in that moment because apart from this good news of looking to Jesus of responding to Jesus it's it's sad and tragic and yet the invitation that we have is to all those things are good again obeying Jesus has called us he's set us free from our slavery to ourselves so that we can obey all right, this isn't cheap grace. This isn't, oh, Jesus already did it. Now just do whatever you want and don't care about God and don't care about other people. No, that's still living enslaved to sin, But it's this, hear me, this is is of eternal consequence and importance. It means we obey, not because we're trying to get somewhere, but because we're living out of an identity, an inheritance that we've already been promised and has already been secured for us, and now we're dipping into that and living out of that now. What would it look like to live that way, to say, God, I want to be the husband that you have already won for me, that you've already established for me. I don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore because I know that I'm looking ahead. I'm running with endurance to that day where I will be free from sin, which seems so smothering right now, so, so encumbering, as this says in Hebrews 12. Oh, but I've already been set free from that because I look to Jesus and through Jesus, I have an inheritance where I'm now free from sin. So I get to live that out now. I don't have to click on whatever that clickbait is. I don't have to I don't have to repeat old habits and cycles that I thought were inevitable. I'm free and then when I slip into it again, and rather than beating myself up and struggling, it's like a nanosecond again response of, wow, but God, that's, I dipped into the old man. I put on shackles that can no longer be locked, but I thought I was enslaved again, but I am set free, so now let me, let me worship you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the day I look forward to when this struggle is over, and thank you that I can live in light of that now. So let's respond together with hope and joy looking to Jesus who's already secured an inheritance for us that is our reality now. Amen? Let's pray together. Again, uh, thank you, Father, for your good news. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done what we cannot do, that you have finished what we would never finish, what we would never accomplish on our own. Thank you that through you we have hope and joy. Lord, I pray that as we look at the reality of struggle this morning that we would be encouraged Lord, that we would worship with joy and freedom knowing that we are set free from enslavement to ourselves and that now through you we can love you and obey you. We can love others. We can live the life that you have created us and designed us and called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.